nurses and hypochondriacs, the podcast that brings nurse experts, patients, and hypochondriacs together to discuss hot topics in healthcare. And here is your host, Ercilia Pompilio. The 2021 Olympic Games are upon us. They start this week. And of course, there's already a ton of drama going on. I mean, athletes are already testing positive for COVID and being placed in isolation. And then there's this thing of abortion doping. What's abortion doping, you may ask? Well, you'll want to listen in because we're going to be discussing what it is and what it's not with nurse midwife Heather Stroh on this episode. We're specifically going to be talking about athletes Brianna McNeil, who has been banned for the next five years of ever competing in any Olympic sport, and she's being accused of abortion doping. We're also going to be exploring, is it really safe to be pregnant and competing in the Olympics? Uh, and uh, recently, another athlete, Lindsay Flack, she was competing or doing trials in a hepathlon, and she's 18 weeks pregnant. Yeah, that's great. Pregnant women could do everything. However, is it really that safe on the fetus's brain? Are we even considering that? All these questions and much more will be answered on this episode of Nurses and Hypochondriacs. Welcome to Hypochondriacs, Heather Stroh. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. So glad you can make it. I mean, we met on Facebook. I put a call out for this podcast and uh, to get a guest on. And um, I got a lot of responses, which was great on Facebook. But you were the most interesting for this <laughs> okay. episode because this episode okay. is a little bit wacky. But before yeah. we jump in... Okay, I want to hear about you. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, okay, I live in South Georgia. I work in North Florida. I've been a nurse midwife um, since 2002. Um, uh, a nurse just for a few years prior to that. I always knew I wanted to be a nurse midwife. Um, I am also a sexual assault nurse examiner. So um, that's my little side hustle, if you will, but also my passion. Um, I um, clearly have dogs. Um, let's see. <laughs> I'm married, have two adult um, daughters who have uh, listened to me talk about um, issues that uh, they don't necessarily like to talk about all the time throughout their lives. Um, but uh, yeah, just very happy to be here. That's awesome. So a nurse midwife, I wanted to be a nurse midwife when I started my nurse practitioner career before, because I always wanted to do midwifery and pediatrics and see both. Sure. But here in California, it's pretty jacked up. I mean, uh, as far as insurance purposes go, um, you know, oh, yeah. a, few, a few years ago, they had these birthing centers. I'm not sure if they're around anymore. You know, now mm -hmm. I'm just hearing either it's a hospital birth or there's some midwives that'll go out and do home births, but it's pretty oh. rare. It's, it's very unfortunate because I love, love, love midwives. And I love yeah. the whole pregnancy 
thing. I mean, I've never been pregnant myself. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've been working uh, in pediatrics for 25 years, but the birthing process, I think, is the most sacred as you will, you know, mm-hmm. and just creating a new life in your womb is pretty mm-hmm. phenomenal, you know, and I, and, I, and I know it's painful and uncomfortable. And I hear that all the time uh, from women who are pregnant, but it is a pretty interesting experience. Uh, it really is. Uh, you know, and I look at it, um, I, I started studying quantum physics in 2016, wow. as you will. Um, and it is pretty, it, it's, it's very complicated, but it is very, mm-hmm. very interesting. If you look at your environment and the universe around you, it's like, once you start studying quantum physics, you start seeing things and you start putting puzzle pieces together, which makes life very, very interesting. Um, there's an OBGYN in Arizona who just wrote a book on the um, on, on the quantum physics nature of um, when a sperm and an egg come together and when oh, wow. that spirit comes in, you know, uh, okay. that soul comes in, which is pretty fun. I have not read her book yet. I um, okay. tried to reach out to her a couple times, uh, but I think my emails were a little bit too wacky. So I don't know. <laughs> or maybe she didn't get them because sometimes people don't get them. <laughs> you know, uh, so I'll reach out to her again, I'll read her book, but uh, very interesting concept of um, just how the soul goes in. And, and, um, and I know it's very controversial with the whole abortion um, discussions, you know, whether uh, it, it, you know, the viability of a fetus, it does it have a soul doesn't have a soul and it it has a lot of religious consequences, or, um, you know, Yes. No, it is very controversial. Yeah. So it's very controversial in in all of that. So yes. So how this podcast came to be, I'm going to talk a little bit about it because it does have a little bit of quantum physics and sacred geometry involved, which is very interesting. So I was on Instagram. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, there was, uh, I, I was on a site for, um, what is it? Women's health. Was it women's health or yeah, I think it was women's health. And, um, they were talking about this 18 week pregnant, uh, hepathlete. Okay. And I think I I sent you the link. Right. And so all these women were praising, wow, she's so amazing. You know, uh, she, women could do everything. Look, she's pregnant. This is awesome. You know, and, and a hepathlete, hepathalon has seven events in it. Okay. Right. And some of those events include the javelin, like hundred meter dash. Um, I have it written down. It's impressive. It's impressive it's what they can do. Impressive. It's, it's pretty wild uh, and, and crazy, you know, and I guess we could make this our Olympic um, podcast edition here. Very cool. <laughs> the I like Olympics that idea. Are- the Olympics are, are starting um, in when? Oh, next week. Next week. So yeah. July 23rd through August 8th. So a hepathlon I have right here. So the event consists of 100 meter, 100 meter hurdles, high jump, shot put, 200 meter sprint, long jump, javelin throw, and 800 meter run. Okay, that's pretty crazy, right? To do yeah, it. Yeah, eight- I couldn't do that not pregnant. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> 
no. neither could wouldn't I. Wouldn't want to. Wouldn't want to. No, no. And and in, in the and some of the comments were pretty funny on this feed where some of the women were saying, oh, I'm 18 weeks pregnant. I can't even get out of bed or I pee all the time. You know, I can't stop peeing. So they were, it was really funny. But most of them were all uh, people saying, you know, uh, like, yes, women could do everything. And I, I went ahead and I put in there, I was like, yeah, but nobody's thinking about the fetus, you know, and, and what happens at that age. And um and, and so then, of course, I got bashed, you know, and I got trolled and people were going on my Instagram sites looking at who I was. And they're like, you empower people. How dare you? Because, of course, I was going against the the grain of what everybody else was saying. I wasn't following the hive mm-hmm. mind. And, and, you know, they don't mm-hmm. know who I am. And, and then I went ahead and got a um, very interesting article. And I sent you that article from a psychiatrist in Australia. Right. Which, let me see if I can find it here. Oh, here we go. And so it basically it says the impact of maternal stress on, on the fetal brain. And I went ahead and I linked it onto the feed. And so this article, I'm just going to read it. It's by Dr. Sunil Reggie. Okay. He's a psychiatrist in Australia. And it says during gestation, the fetus is sensitive to environmental stressors that can have developmental and maturation consequences later in life. Maternal stress Mm -hmm. is suggested to increase the risk of the offspring developing cardiovascular metabolic or neuropsychiatric disorders. These lifelong consequences summarize a concept that is known as fetal programming. Uh, Many studies have shown that fetal programming has its origins in the overproduction of stress hormone cortisol. Stress-induced cortisol release in the mother is known to be a significant mediator of prenatal psychological stress in the fetus. The timing and intensity of the stressor all play important roles in fetal programming outcomes. So I put that on there uh, Mm -hmm. because I found that really interesting because then I started to connect these dots, right? Right. So, uh, and and how this podcast all came to be, I ended up after looking at that, I was in Palm Springs, California at my other uh, place of residence and um, they have free museum night, right? Okay museum and there is this woman who did a transcendental desert uh painting so they had an exhibit about her there there was an installation and there was one installation with two circles intertwining in themselves and that's Mm -hmm. called a vesica pisces so in the middle of the two circles is an almond shaped and what that is yes right so that's like the vagina basically and right. so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's, and it's part of the sacred feminine and the sacred womb. And that's where mm-hmm. create the baby just pops on out. Right. Right. So, sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Seen that happen many are, times. Yeah. You're right. Right. So women <laughs> are conscious creators. So what do you think about that? And, and women just doing all of these uh, crazy, you know, women can do it all women working until 40 weeks. I mean, I know here in the United States, the laws are wacky, you know, can you tell me from what your experiences are working with, uh, women as a midwife? 
Um, I've actually worked with, um, in limited experience, with two different Olympic athletes. One was a prior Olympic athlete, um, but, or those that were close to that level. Um, it has always been my opinion that you can pretty much do what you want to do during pregnancy as far as exercise concerned, um, as long as it's something you were doing prior to that point. So you're not introducing marathon running in your second trimester. Um, and it doesn't involve um, a, a whole lot of high impact. And that's really not so much um, for the fetus. That's because of the mom and the increased progesterone and relaxin and the other hormones of pregnancy that influence the body and really um, um, wreak havoc on the joints and things. So they can injure themselves just so much easier um, that if the doing is really high impact. Um, and I absolutely agree with increased cortisol levels. It, it's just not good on any level. Um, however, um, for exercise for many people um, also increases um, endorphins, which is a good thing. Um, so, you know, it kind of kind of counteracts each other. Um, I just, I, I like to just talk to my patients about, um, let's talk about what spits into your life and your beliefs and um you know, uh, let's just make this like as positive experience as we can with the, um, with the notation that um, you came to me as a provider, somebody who's going to help guide you in what I know. And um, let's discuss things if we need to, as things progress, if things change. I agree on that. I mean, I agree on brisk exercise activity, like yoga, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you know, yeah. walking, walking, you know, that's my uh, life, walking. Yeah. But a hepatha, uh, a, I can't even say it. A hepatha, a hep, I can't even say it anymore. A hepatha, heptathlon. A heptathlon. heptathlon. It's my, um, it's my, oh, crazy, crazy. Anyway, yeah. my dy dyslexia. I can't even say dyslexia. It's kicking in here. But yeah, a hepatathlon. <laughs> there. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a little bit crazy. I mean, my whole thing is that I feel that women are too much into this. We could do everything. I'm tired of doing everything. I mean, I don't know. So <laughs> there is a lot of, you know what, there's a lot of pressure uh, on uh, women and it has been throughout the years since about the fifties, but even right. more recently, if you, even my daughters at the very young age, um, the education system, the social system was all, you know, you can do it. You can do it. You can have everything. Um, why bow to not having something um, just, you know, in schools, they want a, a college, um, uh, college applications, they're looking for you to do everything. You need to have been a part of every group. You need to be the president of every group. You need to have done all this extra volunteer work, all these things. And it just puts a, a, even more pressure on girls starting at a very young age. And so it's hard to break from that cycle um, as we're getting older and, and um, having children and having families and, you know, um, I, I, I probably was not a good influence on my kids in that I, you know, I went to school when I had small children and worked full time. They, my husband pretty much raised my kids their first, um, couple of years of this process. And, um, so I kind of set a, uh, the bar high and, um, I don't know that that's fair. And I try to explain to them that that's, that's not certainly not what I expected them. I want them to have a happy life, not, um, necessarily have to achieve, achieve. Right. But your, um, 
you had a great experience where you had your husband help you. Many of these women. Right. And exactly. And I think that's huge. I mean, when my father raised me, my mother had to work days. My father worked a swing shift and he raised Mm -hmm. me, you know, and I think that's great. But a lot of these women will also complain that they're raising a third child as their husband, you know, Uh, or their husband is always playing video games. There's a great movie called Tully. I don't know. Have you Uh ever watched that movie, Tully? No, no, I haven't. Um, I forgot the actress in it, but it's great. This woman is pregnant. She has her third child um, and she decides to be a stay at home mom and she tries to do it all. And, um, you know, her, she talks to her husband about getting help and she's like, no, no, it's okay. So she develops an ultra personality as a a babysitter and so she makes up that there's this babysitter who comes at night to um, take care of the baby like a a a nurse or right and um it's in essence it's her so she developed this altar um and and she gets exhausted and runs her car off a cliff you know oh my gosh um so stuff like that is pretty intense but anyway getting back to this yes (laughs) This abortion doping, which yeah, is crazy, crazy. Uh, crazy. I never heard about it before. I, I did a survey on Twitter. I think I got about ten responses. Thank you for <laughs> responding for everybody who responded, and nobody knew what it was. Uh, and these, this was a call out to OBGYNs, uh, nurse midwives, and nurse practitioners uh, in OB. And nobody, like I said, nobody knew what it was. And also mm-hmm. I put a call out on Facebook, many sites like, hey, has anybody ever heard of abortion doping? And the consensus was no. So I right. had never heard of this before until Mm-mm. it started to come out in the media. And there was another athlete. So this is where I find the discrepancy. And this is um, the problem with being a researcher. Um, and you, you just start saying, okay, well, wait a minute. So this woman gets to be 18 weeks pregnant. And everybody is, um, you know, applauding her for doing this hepath, what, whatever Hepat- I can say. Hepathlon. The <laughs> right. However, we have this other woman here, uh, and this was in the Washington Post and also the New York Times, and her name is Brianna McNeil, and she gets accused of mm-hmm. abortion doping, um, and she's won uh, several medals, I, I believe even a gold Uh, It says Olympic hurdling champion Brianna McNeil will miss the Tokyo Olympics after the appeal of a five-year ban for violating anti-doping rules uh, was rejected on Friday, which is super sad. And she's 29 years old. And and she said that um, the Olympics people were knocking at her door, trying to go ahead and test her. And she didn't open up her door. They were going to perform a drug test. And um, so she's been, I guess, accused of uh, doping before, but she had had an abortion and she was recovering from that abortion. So um, all of a sudden they were saying, oh, well, you were uh, doing this abortion doping thing just for the Mm -hmm. Olympics, which which Mm -hmm. I thought was very interesting. So that caused me to go ahead and Google what abortion doping is. And right. this is what I found on um, Wikipedia. Then I start going through this crazy rabbit hole, which all started from Instagram, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
going and going. It, it, you know, how'd you do with the museum with the Vesica Pisces? Like, okay, you need to do this. It's creation. It's the womb. And boom. Mm-hmm. And I found out all this other information. So what abortion doping is, I'm just going to go over this uh, Wikipedia. It refers to the rumored practice of purposely inducing pregnancy for athletic performance enhancing benefits, uh, then aborting the pregnancy. While allegations have been made regarding the practice, there is no proof that it has ever been done. So there's no real proof, um, but there's a lot of stories, which I guess are anecdotal stories. So I guess there's no research evidence-based practice uh, stuff out there. Uh, So these are the potential physical benefits. And I guess you can go ahead and uh, confirm these, which I think are very interesting. You kind of mentioned a little bit about the hormonal benefits of um, pregnancy. So hormonal and other changes in pregnancy affect physical performance. In the first three months, it is known that a woman's body produces a natural surplus of red blood cells, which are well supplied with oxygen carrying hemoglobin in order to support the growing fetus. Other potential advantages are obtained from the surge in hormones that pregnancy induces predominantly progesterone and estrogen but also testosterone, which could increase muscle strength. Increases in hormones like relaxin, which loosen the hip joints to prepare for childbirth, may have performance-enhancing effects on joint mobility. However, it is also argued that the advantages would be outweighed by the drawbacks of morning sickness and fatigue, both of which are common in early pregnancy. So what do you think about that? Okay, so well, let's start at the beginning, okay? Right. <laughs> first of all, um, okay, so uh, I think the first comment was, because I'm going on your mem- my memory, was the increase in um, the red blood cells. Right. Um, in the, pregnancy. Well, oxygen, okay. yeah. Oxygen carrying okay. hemoglobin. Okay, right, so oxygen, okay, so that actually um, decreases with pregnancy. Um, you may have a preliminary little bit of an increase, but that actually goes down. Um, and, uh, and significantly in a lot of people, um, especially, I mean, once you get any time in that pregnancy, eight weeks, 10 weeks, it can start plummeting. Um, the other, um, aspect of that is the, um, the actual blood volume increases in the pregnancy by 50%, but that is not all red blood cells. That's mostly plasma, um, some white blood cells, things like that. And so that decreases your body's ability to carry oxygen because you just got to think the ratio between fluid and actual red blood cells that carry the oxygen is changing there and decreasing. So uh, that doesn't hold water with me. Um, The other thing, the testosterone. Um, So testosterone, women just generally have about 10% of the testosterone that men have. Um, and that's, you know, that's the goal, the achieving goal. We want to have as much testosterone as men because that helps with muscle and things like that. The um, actual increase in testosterone um, um, is really only about 70% of what women have now. So you're still less than a fifth of the testosterone levels of men. So it's still not that much. Um, let's see, what other things did they, um, uh, we talked about the relaxant. Relaxant is not produced until the third trimester. Um, so, you know, you're not going to be, um, worried, concerned about, um, 
I, I, I don't understand how having increased flexibility of the joints would it help an athlete, but maybe, I don't know that, uh, maybe in like gymnastics or something, but that's not going to happen until they're 28 weeks or further. Um, and, um, you know, if you're going to abort a pregnancy, you're going to play hard to have somebody that'll abort a pregnancy that late in the, in the pregnancy. Um, what else did they say? Um, what else am I missing there? Um, I think you, you just about got it because it was a joint mobility. <clears throat> um, and, and basically the drawbacks would be morning sickness and fatigue uh, with all of that. But those are excellent points that you bring up. And I think that the way it doesn't really say when these fetuses are aborted in this abortion being whole thing, I'm guessing it's right in the beginning at the eight to 10 weeks. Uh, You'd think. Yeah, I'm guessing. Well, I'm going to read these this other story, which is very interesting on the allegations that happened. So uh, Western media Western Western media outlets began accusing Soviet countries of abortion doping as early as the 1956 Olympic Games. Hello. Western media Western media outlets began accusing Soviet countries of abortion doping as early as the 1956 Summer Olympics and a gal- uh, I can't speak today and allegations were raised again at the 1964 Summer Olympics rumors of abortion doping continued through the 1970s and 1980s predominantly aimed at East German athletes in 1988 Pritz Prince Alexander de Marode, then vice president of the International Olympic Committee, supported stories of Eastern European athletes were getting artificially inseminated in an attempt to boost athletic performance and then aborting two or three months later. So, yes, so it's about that uh, eight to 10 week period, I guess. Uh, Marode said he knew a Swiss doctor who was performing the procedures. However, it was never proven. In 1988, Finnish doctor Risto Urkola told the Sunday Mirror, now that drug testing is routine, pregnancy is becoming the favorite way of getting an edge on competition. Urkola's comment is frequently cited in discussions on abortion doping. According to the fact-checking website Snopes, media reports following this claim were skeptical of it, and there was no evidence of that Urkola had any firsthand knowledge on the practice. Dr. Peter Larkins, then an official of the Australian Sports Medicine Association, also challenged the claim. Though Greg White, professor of the Applied Sports and Exercise Science in Liverpool, John Moore's University, has said the East German allegations are plausible. So uh, that's very interesting. So in 1994, Olga Karsayova, who won a gold medal in gymnastics. It's interesting you brought up gymnastics. Yeah, yeah. At the 1968 Summer Olympics, was reported to have given an interview with German television station RTL Television, as well as Russian a Russian newspaper. The interviews quoted her as stating that abortion doping was widespread among Soviet athletes in the 1970s, and that girls as young as 14 were being forced to have sex with their coaches. 
Karsayova, oh. however, later stated that the person who had given the interviews was an imposter and she successfully sued the Russian newspaper for defamation. Despite her legal victory, the original interviews attributed to her continue to be reported as facts by some third parties. So in 2017, article by Sunopes.com categorizes abortion doping as unproven, concluding that the practice is confirmed only by dubious interviews with Karsayova is buttered, I don't know, butter seed, butter seed by speculative science and a largely amplified in recent years by anti-abortion groups. Uh, Snopes accuses anti-abortion groups of selectively reporting and using poorly sourced arguments. So uh, very, very interesting. Um, and, and there's, and, and, I, and I find it interesting with the whole gymnastics thing because um, there was a lot of controversy several years ago with the U.S. Olympic gymnastics team on um, sexual abuse of many of these girls. Mm-hmm. So who knows if this was actually happening and uh, they were drugging these girls and they didn't know and they were performing abortions on them. Well, Could happen. You know, That's just I, I, yeah, of course, absolutely anything can happen. Anything and, can I, happen I these put, days. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't put it past anybody. I would say I really find it difficult that anybody in a healthcare field worldwide with even a moderate amount of knowledge of pathophysiology of pregnancy would ever agree to inseminate you know, whatever, encourage this. I don't, I don't think you're going to get that. Um, but I just don't know. You, you don't know in other countries and what have you, what their morals and social ideas and what have you. out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> could it happen? Possibly. Is it smart? Is it based in science? No, it's really not. Um, it, it's, it's just not there. I don't, I don't think I can't. Um, of course, I'm speaking for myself, but after you shared the article with me, I did quite a bit of research into all of it. And um, yeah, it's really I interesting. I can't, yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't um, agree with it at all. I also pulled an article from uh, this woman, Elizabeth Sorensen, who is a registered nurse. She's actually uh, an educator at a university um, and her whole paper is titled debunking the myth of pregnancy doping and says, uh, and so she starts the notion of pregnancy and abortion are forms of doping as persisted for 20 years, popular and scientific literature on pregnancy, abortion doping was critically analyzed to compare pregnancy, abortion doping with definitions of doping and blood doping and to compare Mm -hmm. pregnancy, abortion doping themes to current scientific knowledge. Uh, Main themes and Main themes include oxygenation advantage and hormonal advantage, which we discussed. Um, During pregnancy, maximal oxygen uptake may improve, but not exercise performance. Human chorionic gonadotropin, the only pregnancy hormone on the National Collegiate Athletic Association and United States Anti-Doping Agency, bans dumps substances list. That's kind of interesting. That is interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. Increases during pregnancy, but there is no evidence that HCG enhances athletic performance in women. Recommendations include revising USADA and NNCAA policies in congruence with world anti-doping agency policies, which ban HCG for men only. That's very fascinating. Um, It is. 
And, and, uh, and so that's where this argument is like, why is it okay for this woman who is 18 weeks pregnant to uh, be competing, but the, the other woman who just got an abortion, like, how do you uh, go ahead and, and say, oh, she got an abortion just because she was abortion doping and accusing her of that. And it's I don't just, know how you could. I don't know how you could. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Whereas, and I think that Elizabeth brings up a valid point where the whole Olympics committee has to relook at that and maybe say, okay, at a certain uh, time, maybe it's not okay for women to compete with with pregnancy. I mean, if you're banning it with human gonadotropin in men, uh, you know, it's a huge gray area, but who knows? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I think that would be a fine line to cross because then, then you're talking about a lot of other um, pathologic um, possibilities where you would say you can't do other things and still compete. You know, um, I think you're going to get uh, a lot of pushback that says, um, you, you can't do this um, pregnant. I, I just don't think it'll happen. But, yeah. you know, again, who knows? Who, who knows? knows? I mean, it, it's, I, I don't know if anybody else has connected these dots, but my brain works in very mysterious ways lately where I follow all these um, rabbit holes and I'm like, okay, well, why is it okay for this? And and, mm-hmm. like, and, and the whole Olympics things is, is skewed. Have you ever watched, uh, this is a great Netflix show and it's great for anybody to watch before the Olympics. It's called Icarus. Have you seen it uh-huh. on Netflix? No. So good. I mean, I love, I used to love Lance Armstrong, big, huge fan. Uh, we, me, my husband's a cyclist and. Oh my gosh. Been for 20, yeah. And he has been for 20 years. So we followed the, we have followed Lance Armstrong um, you know, loved him, adored him, worshipped him, and then we're we're almost personally crushed by that whole right. situation. And um, so, yes, I'm very, very learned about um, that whole situation um, for sure. I love cycling. I'm an avid swimmer. I used to do sprint uh-huh. triathlons. You know, uh-huh. uh, so I came across this movie. I believe it was filmed in 2014. It's on Netflix. It's called Icarus, uh-huh. where this uh-huh. guy decides to do this um, semi-pro race. It's kind of like the Tour de France, but it's I think mm-hmm. one step below, and he sure. decides to dope because um, when he first did it, he did very well, but he was exhausted. He's like, wait a minute, I'm going to go ahead and try doping and see if I can get away with it, you know, and it was mostly for the sure. mm-hmm. So there was mm-hmm. this man in Russia who uh, helped him out, and he used to be the director of the athletics committee for the Olympics um, for the Russians. And he came to Mm -hmm. the United States at UCLA and learned this whole doping method, which is very fascinating. And he used to use it on himself and he used to run track. And so um, in the whole movie and they go ahead with, and they show it's all about urine, right? And it's all about of the urine. It's very, very fascinating. It's hard to comprehend. Uh Um, And um, so what he did was he was in charge of uh, making all of the uh, Russian athletes in Zochi. When was that? I believe in uh, 2014. I think it was the Russian, uh, the, the whole Zochi um, Olympics, 
to uh, help them to dope and clear their urine mm-hmm. so that the Olympic officials didn't know. So right. the um, Russians took majority of the gold. I forget how many gold they took, but they took a lot of medals, you know, right. They did yeah. this doping. But then the next year, I mean, of course people found out and the next year they were banned from um, competing, I think in London or whenever London happened or whenever the next Olympics right. was which was very fascinating. But anybody out there who wants to know more about doping, you need to watch this show. It, it's awesome. I, you know? Yeah, my, my it, husband and I would both be fascinated. Oh my gosh, it's so good because he goes through the whole training. It's very detailed um, and, it, and it's very well put together because it's, it's also... Uh, keeps you on the edge of your seat. You're like, what's going to happen now? You know, yeah. so, <laughs> but it's, we'll it's have to, really great. We'll have to check that out after the tour because right now our TV time is all the tour. So uh, maybe in a week or so we can oh. watch that. <laughs> what tour are you doing? Because uh, did you the guys? Tour de France is on right oh, now. Oh my gosh. On TV, yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I, have, I yes. have to watch it. I don't have regular yes. TV, but I'll catch it on YouTube. Yes, I love the Tour de France. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So much yeah. stuff going on in sports. Did you guys go to the Stanley Cup game? The hockey uh, game? No, we did not. Um I, I was a hockey fan in college because I lived in Minnesota at the time and you know, it was one more place to go and hang out and drink as a 19-year-old. Um <laughs> but um I haven't really watched a whole lot. We're big um football fans, um oh, college football fans and um, and we love the Olympics. I mean, that's all the TV is tuned to when we're, when it's gone too. Yes. So great. Well, thank you for, um, coming on today, Heather, any closing remarks from you, anything you'd like to add? Um, I don't think so. I really think that we pretty much covered everything. I just, it's laughable to me to, that anybody would intentionally get pregnant, before competing in something that they have been um, working toward their entire lives, because they have, they've dedicated their entire lives. And I mean, all it takes is being pregnant once and you know how stinking miserable you are. And to, t- and to sustain that high level of, of exercise and, and practice would be horrific, horrific at best. Um, so I just, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. It's interesting, fascinating, and I'm, I'll be watching for it, but um, yeah. Yeah, it should be interesting to <laughs> see more people come up with more data on that and, uh, and, and more studies, but yeah, awesome. Well, thanks for being on today. Sure. And thank you, um, Nurses and Hypochondriacs. Thanks for listening to our Nurses and Hypochondriacs podcast. We love your support and we love our listeners. If you have some spare change, go ahead and throw some to us on our Venmo at Nurses in Hypocon. Also, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love that. And if you'd like to be a guest, go ahead and send us an email at nursesandhypochondriacs at gmail.com.